0: Holy Spirit, we thank you. Lord, I pray the blood of Jesus over this whole sermon and everything associated with it. Every person is going to be listening to it. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill and brood over those that are going to be hearing this. Lord, we bind away every hindrance. We break Satan's power. We thank you, Lord, that your angels be released. that will drive back any hindrance and help the word of the Lord to go forth and accomplish everything you sent it forth to do. Lord, we thank you so much. Lord, I pray a fresh anointing over every hearer. Man, feel that. It's like a wave of glory just hit me. Lord, we pray a fresh anointing and I thank you for your presence. And Lord, I pray the word of God will go forth as living seeds of truth out of my mouth and go forth and accomplish everything, Lord, that you are sending it forth to do. Let your word go out in a good fertile soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, I'm going to talk about exposing some spirits. Now, let me tell you, in these last days as we're going, you know, with the kingdom of God moving forward and Satan's kingdom in opposition, the last days are really going to be some epic battles. And so tonight... I want you to please give me your best ear tonight. This sermon is going to be a little different than other ones I've preached. I'm exposing some things. Some of the greatest battles are going to be in these last days. And it's going to be tremendous what God's going to do. A great harvest of souls. Great revival. Great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. A great anointing. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of resistance from the enemy. And... As people are coming to Jesus now, it's not like it was a hundred years ago. When people came to the Lord a hundred years ago, they they might have had a little bit of, a, you know, a drinking problem or, you know, some some smaller addiction of some kind or, you know, maybe they, they were sexually, you know, sleeping around a little bit. But it was nothing like today. And I'm gonna tell you, today when people are coming to Christ, I mean, they they have really opened up the door to a lot of stuff. And so they need to get a breakthrough, they need to get free. And so tonight's sermon, what I'm going to be talking to you about is, I'm going to talk to you first about how the enemy may try to attack you or the ministry in different areas. Then I'm going to talk to you about demonic spirits that you may face in other people's lives that you're going to help them get free from it. That's the whole point of this sermon is that you You to get totally free in victory, but also to help other people get free. Because, listen, as we're going to do altar ministry, you're going to see some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, I've seen some some crazy stuff over the years. And you're going to see some of those things. And I want to help prepare you for some of the things that you're going to face when you're laying hands on people and ministering to people. I don't want you to be caught unaware I want you to know what you're up against. And, you know, I know that a lot of times young ministers, they, they want to jump into laying on of hands and all of that. But I don't think sometimes people really realize what's going on. That you really are, you better have your armor on because you're, you're facing the enemy and, and kicking the enemy out of and pushing him away from people's lives. And the kingdom of God is flowing through you But there's a clash many times. And I don't think people really realize the power that's in the laying on of hands and the ministry of laying on of hands. And I want to take time to talk about that. Now, next week, I'm going to be talking about infiltration. So these last two sermons are two of the most intense that I've probably preached. Okay? And I want you to just be open and give me your best ear, but it's two very intense sermons that you're probably not going to hear a lot of places. It's very very appropriate for these last days. There needs to be more sermons like this. I'll just say that. Alright, so what the enemy wants to do, let me give you a few things. The enemy wants to abort your destiny. Amen? He wants to abort your destiny. The enemy is in opposition to mantles. He's resisting revival. He's fighting against the glory. And he's attacking the anointing. Now let me give you this, Ephesians 5.11, it says, Have nothing to do with deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Now tonight, I'm going to be exposing some pretty dark stuff. okay? But the Bible says for you to have nothing to do with it. But it does command us to expose it. Because people that are going to be coming to Christ in these last days, some of them are going to be coming out of Satan worship and out of witchcraft and out of the occult. And they have had a brush with a very deep thick darkness and they've uh, there's some things that have attached itself to their life that when they come to jesus they need to be free of and it is going to be a battle the enemy does not let people go easily but the power of god will destroy it jesus will set them free they'll be filled with the spirit all that they will be free but it will be a battle and tonight i'm going to expose some of these battles Satan's main goal is always division. He fears unity the most among God's people. Look at Acts chapter 2, when the people of God were unified in one accord, praying and fasting. What happened? The day of Pentecost. Let me give you something that I just put together. This is not in the Bible, it's just my, my opinion. But Satan's kingdom does have some kind of an armor about them. They seem to have a helmet of pride, a cloak of deception a breastplate of unrighteousness, a sword of criticism, boots of anger, and a mouth speaking forth lies. And it is so important that we don't live by fear. Listen to what it says in the book of Job 3.25. What I have feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. It's important to be careful that you don't get into fear. Because fear actually allows things to come on people. I remember Dr. Cho was talking about one time when he was growing up, he was terrified of getting this, it was a disease that was rampant at one time, tuberculosis in his, his city, his region, he was terrified. And sure enough, he got it. And God showed him later on that it was the fear of it that allowed it in. Fear is a big door. So if you've got fear in your life, get it under the blood and conquer that fear. And let me tell you what the problem a lot of times in the body of Christ is people are afraid. They're terrified. You know, one minister said that the reason why some of them are afraid to deal with the demonic in other people is because they themselves are in bondage. That's, I heard a minister say that, and there's probably some truth to that. But people are afraid. They're afraid to confront the Well, listen, when Jesus was here, do you really think Jesus was afraid of a demon in somebody? No. Be, think about it. Do you really think Jesus was afraid of a demon in somebody? Do you think Jesus was afraid of some witch? When he went to town, he's, oh man, which, you know, Esmeralda, I hope she isn't going to come out here. I don't think so. They were afraid of him. And not only him, they were afraid of people like the Apostle Paul. And if you know who you are in Christ, they're afraid of you too. But the problem is a lot of people live in fear. You know, even, listen. Even a little bitty dog, I've seen, I've seen a, a grown man, I've seen this happen. Fear will, will sometimes even draw out an attack from a little bitty animal. Because they can sense fear. <laughs> I've seen it happen, friend, and it was funny too. But whenever they know, they know when you're afraid and they can sense that fear. Listen, the, the enemy knows when people are afraid. part of the problem is the body of Christ needs to shake off any type of fear they really need to figure out who they are and what they have in Christ and they need to start going on the offensive instead of huddled up in a corner on the defensive I remember one time I've told this story but I want to get it in this series i will give you two quick stories one is there was a woman that Sandy and I knew that actually came to the Lord through my wife Letter to the Lord, and she had grown up in, in Satanism her whole life. I mean, she was very deep, deeply involved in the occult. Her family was deeply involved in it. And she came to Jesus, accepted him as Savior, and when she did, now her life is now in danger because her family was wanting to kill her, physically kill her. She was a traitor, and um, she also was water baptized. And I believe baptized in the Holy Spirit, I think, at that time. Maybe not at that time. But she was definitely saved and water baptized. But she knew there was still some demonic stuff in her life to get free of. And I mean, little wonder why. Her whole life, she practiced Satan worship. So, Sandy took her to a full gospel Pentecostal church. Because she knew that at least in that church, in that type of a church, they, they believed in casting out demons and would at least help her. And... There were some of you that are here that were there when this happened. But the pastor walked by, and uh, Sandy and I were not married at the time, and so I wasn't even there. But the pastor of that church walked by and put his Bible on her, and, and all hell broke loose. I mean, she went flying backward. Well, actually, she swung at him, started cussing like a sailor. But it wasn't her. It was the demonic inner. And to make a long story short, she fell on the ground. It took like four grown men just to hold her there, and she was supernaturally strong, so she was literally picking grown men up, and they were coming back down like this. And the pastor cast out 12, 14 demons, something like that, out of her. And she got up, felt great. But here's, here's the problem. This really ticks me off, to be honest. But, you know, it was like a ghost town. It was a full church until that happened. And everybody had gone out and abandoned the pastor. Listen, I'm saying this on the record. Okay, so if they hear this, I am rebuking you. Okay? So be ye offended if you hear this and you're supposed to be offended. But listen, like a bunch of little sissies and cowards, they ran out of there and left the pastor to deal with this by himself. There was a few grown men there that were helping him that were, you know, elders in the church, but they were out there in the foyer like a bunch of little whipped dogs, sissies out there, afraid of a few demons we're not dealing with big huge you know massive principal we're just dealing with little demons anyway and so the pastor got the victory then whenever the service was over he goes back to the back and some of those people told him said we don't want that stuff going on in our church now not only does it upset me but I believe that upsets the Lord where else are they going to go there's no other place that they can go but the church. And the church is supposed to be a place that the sick can come in and get healed. Where people can come in and get delivered. And not only within the four walls, but we are the church. We're supposed to be taking this to the streets as well. And that's the type of stuff I'm talking about. Just this fear business being afraid. Let me tell you, when you know who you are in Christ, you really get an idea, a revelation... Of who you really are in Christ. That you're a new creation. And yes, I am saying this. You really are supernatural because you're born again. The Spirit of God, Almighty God, lives inside you. And the Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If you really understood that Jesus actually meant it when he said you will lay hands on the sick. You will drive out demons in my name. You have authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. When you really get a revelation of these scriptures and you understand that that you've been born again and now Christ's DNA is in you, you have authority over the demonic. The power of God, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you understand that the power of God is clothing you like a garment. And whenever you come, if you know who you are and you're walking in faith, not fear, you're walking in faith, when you step into a place I'm telling you, hell trembles. But it trembles at people that know who they are in Christ. They have faith. I remember the, the demonic... Well, the guy, I'm sorry, the seven sons of Sceva and the Jewish chief priests, eight grown men, they tried to cast a demon out of a guy. The guy jumped on his Acts chapter 19, beat them all up. They all ran out naked and bleeding. It would have been a spectacle to see for sure. But listen to what the demon said. The demon said, I know Jesus. And I know who Paul is. Who are you? See, I'm not a who are you. Okay, and, and neither are you. You're not somebody that demons are going, who are you? Who do you think you are? No, we're not fearful. And you know, Listen, those, that demonic spirit said, I know who Paul is. You're going to be the type of person, I'm going to be the type of person, I say this in humility, you're going to be the type of person, those listening, that the enemy is going to go, I know who Jesus is and man, I know who that person is. Stay away from them. Amen? Amen. All right. So in dealing with these things, let me give you another story. Uh, This is a friend of mine that you guys know here, but people that are listening this may not know. uh, Brother Benny Baker, powerful man of God, was telling me this story. But if you even had any idea, I remember the story of Elijah and Elisha. I'm sorry, it it wasn't Elisha, it was Gehazi. It was Elisha and Gehazi. And, and Elisha was was looking at all the armies that were coming and Gehazi was sitting here afraid and Elisha said, Gehazi, come here. And he prayed for him, put, it, put his hand over his eyes and prayed for him and Gehazi, all of a sudden, he could see in the realm of the spirit. And he opened his eyes, I'm sure he blinked real good, rubbed his eyes and looked again and they could see all these angelic beings around their property. And Elisha told Gehazi, there are more for us than against us. And listen to the story. So Elisha goes out there. God struck the army blind. And Elisha goes out there and is talking to the commander and takes the reins of his horse and leads the whole army right into Israel's camp. And they're surrounded by Israel now. If people understood... Now let me give you a quick angel story. So there was this uh, man of God that Benny Baker knew as a friend of his and said that this man... Some of you already heard this story, but just bear with it. it. said this man got really sick. And the Lord, of course, he prayed about being healed. He knew God was at work in that area of healing him. and But he was really sick, and the sickness got severe. And because of the sickness, he had a stroke. And so part of his body, his right side of his body, he'd had this stroke, and his arm wouldn't work right. But he refused to give up. And so he would still preach the gospel. And what he would do is... Is he would take his arm and kind of position it where his hand would rest in his pocket, and he would preach like this, and he would have to have a rag that would he'd wipe his nose because his nose would bleed some while he was preaching. He was really sick. It was serious. Anyway, he was still preaching and going after God and knew, knew God was healing him. You know, he's laying hold of it. And uh, he said that all of a sudden while he was preaching one night, this is a true story, okay? He said that the back doors of this building exploded open it was like a power hit them and they just exploded open everybody's attention was just captivated by that at the moment the man of God standing up up there with his mic and he said something they didn't see it with their natural eye but something was walking down the aisle toward him and while that was walking toward him people as it was coming people to the right and left were just falling out under the power and pews were turning upside down so here this thing's coming toward him all of a sudden, that man of God said he felt something just hit him in the chest. He goes flying back several feet, lands on his back. He gets up and he's completely 100% healed, miraculously. Healed. Gets home that night and is taking his shirt off. And to his surprise, as he looked in the mirror, there was a big handprint on his chest where, he, where something had whacked. You know what it was? It was an angel. If one angel, listen, one angel can do that. Everybody say one angel. Right. One angel can do that. Think about the story I just told you about Elisha and Gehazi. Do people really understand greater is he that's in us? And that the Bible says he encamps his angels around those that fear the Lord and they will deliver him. You have angels encamped around you. There's nothing for you to fear. But what the problem is when people live in fear, the enemy knows that and begins to try to intimidate them. I don't know about you, but I want to be the one doing the intimidating on the enemy. All right. I just want to strengthen your faith. So let me give you a few things tonight. So there, a threefold cord. Ecclesiastes four twelve says a threefold cord is not easily broken. There's something about things in threes in the Bible, and you know what I see in these last days, at least in our region. It may be in other places, but I see a threefold cord of what the enemy trying to do. In the way of, number one, religion. And when I'm talking about religion, a religious spirit, I'm talking about an antichrist spirit, a religious spirit. It's the same thing. Number two, a Jezebel spirit. And number three, Leviathan. I'm seeing a threefold cord, those things coming together. And it is really something. And a lot of people have been hit pretty hard by these forces. So how does the enemy attack you? How does the enemy attack churches and attack revival? Let me give you a few things. Number one is watch out for a python spirit. A python's hiss. A python has to do with confinement and containment and being held back from your fullness. And the way it comes in, Acts 16, 16 says the Apostle Paul was going out to a place of prayer or whatever. And this woman that had a spirit of divination... Divination is the occult branch that has to do with information. So when you go to a psychic or whatever, and you I know you won't be doing that, but people that are foolish enough to do that, they go to psychics and all those type of people, it's a spirit of divination. that The ones that are talking to the dead, they're trying to read the future. All of that seeking information is divination. Well, this woman had a spirit of divination. In the Greek, it was a python spirit. And she was following Paul, yelling, These are servants of the Most High God, showing you the way to be saved. Now why would the devil's servant, with a demon, mind you, be going around giving Paul free advertisement? You would think that she'd be going around trying to discourage people. You know why? Because she was trying, that spirit, that python spirit, was trying to pretend to be the Holy Spirit... And what Satan was trying to do was to deceive Paul into thinking she was a prophetess. So that he would bring her in his ministry and that python spirit would start wrapping around Paul's ministry, squeezing the life out of it. That's what the enemy was trying to do. Sometimes the enemy will come at you in just direct opposition. And sometimes the enemy will try to subtly slither in in, and pretending to be with you. And it comes in through people sometimes that mean well, but they have a different spirit. I remember there was a powerful man of God talking about in his church there was a woman that was prophesying, and people would line up, but he said that he felt in his spirit a check. Just something wasn't right. And as he, you know, was watching her, anyway he went home to pray about because he wanted to make sure it was, you know, hear from God before he confronted her. And sure enough the Lord told him it's not the Holy Spirit, it's a spirit of divination. And so he went to her and told her that and said, you're not prophesying anymore here until you get delivered of this and get this dealt with. And of course, she got offended and left. But here's the thing. That spirit tries to slither in pretending to be the Holy Spirit. Watch out for a python spirit because it's pretending to be the Holy Spirit. And it will try to come in through people pretending to be prophetic, revelatory. They have dreams. They have visions. They have revelation. They want to prophesy. And it wants to slither in. And if you don't discern that it's a demonic spirit and you start yoking yourself with that, it will try to coil around you and squeeze the life out of you. Did everybody get that? Be careful what you yoke yourself together with. Be careful. Because when you start ministering with somebody and they come into your ministry or whatever and you're yoking, it's a, it's a it's really like a covenant relationship and it forms a yoke. If they're not of God, that can really be a door. And of course, this woman was not of God. And Paul one day finally discerned, I believe that it wasn't just the fact that he had a belly full of it. I don't think that was it. I think that he was trying to discern it. And once he finally discerned This is a demonic spirit. He turned and cast it out of her. And it started a riot. Alright, let me give you a few more things. Number one, be careful of a python's hiss. And let me tell you something too. This thing, this python, and also this business of a spirit of heaviness will try to creep in sometimes. And I'm trying to tell you this because we're, we're seeing revival. And sometimes it will try to pretend to be the burden of the Holy Spirit. Some of you intercessors, you feel the burden of the Holy Spirit come on you and you pray till that burden lifts. But this type of thing, this python and this spirit of heaviness will try to pretend to be the burden of the Lord, but it's a weight and a burden that's not of the Lord and it's oppressive. You need to discern it. The Bible says to discern the spirits, test the spirits and see if they be of God. Be careful with angelic visitations. Make sure it's of the Lord. I'm telling you this because there's a lot going on. I mean, there's definitely people have had angelic visitations that were from the Lord and a lot of spiritual power and things going on, but just make sure that it is. Now, you know the story that, you know, Pastor Kilpatrick told about the angel that came, or actually it looked just like Jesus. He said this thing looked like Jesus. He thought it was Jesus. Came, came in he was young he was probably a teenager or something but it came into his room and he was going to worship Jesus and the holy spirit stopped him said you need to look at his hands and feet and there were no scars and he realized this is wait a second this is a demonic counterfeit he said out in Jesus name and it fled see the lord was trying to teach him to discern the spirits way back then because he knew one day he would pastor revival and you gotta be careful with this though, because there was a story that the Browns were revival. There was a man, this was before the revival broke out. There was a man that came. And revival had powerfully broken out with Rodney Harb Brown. I think it started in Lakeland, Florida, under a Carl Strader. It's kind of one of the early major moves of God that took place in his ministry. And Rodney said that, you know, during those days he would go through praying for everybody. The power of God was amazing. I mean, signs and wonders like you wouldn't believe. But somebody came to him and told him, you know, when you're praying for people, there's, there's a couple witches going through here behind you praying for people. And Rodney said, that's it. Nobody else prays for anybody but me. That's it. And he shut it down. Thank the Lord. Amen. That's a man of God. But revival had broken out. And Pastor Kilpatrick at Brownsville was so hungry for revival. And a particular person had nothing to do with Rodney's ministry. Let me just make that real clear. But some individual... Came and he had a group of people that came with him to the revival. And or actually I'm sorry, came to the church before revival and supposedly they carried revival. And Pastor Kilpatrick said he just had a check in his spirit. Something wasn't right about this particular person. And so he went up to the guy and he told the guy, you know, you're gonna preach, all right, but afterward give me the mic, and then I'll let you know what we're gonna do from that point. Well that person came, brought a bunch of people with him, and you know they were laughing or whatever. And, of course, we love the joy of the Lord. People laughing. No problem with that at all. But this just, Pastor Kilpatrick said, just had a funny feel to it. It wasn't just, it was like the real joy of the Lord. Anyway, this person preached, and Pastor Kilpatrick said the, he was preaching the Word, so he sat back in respect to the Word. But after he was done, instead of submitting to authority, so you need to catch these little red flags. Instead of submitting to authority... And given the mic to Pastor? He didn't do that. He took off, said, run up here to get prayer. Took off in the aisle and had whacked somebody on the head. And they hit the floor before Pastor Kilpatrick could get up and get the mic. That's rebellion. Anyway, so Pastor got the mic from him and said, right there in front of everybody. Said, this revival is over. He said, this service is done. He said, the Holy Spirit is grieved. And he said, I want the ushers to come through here and sweep the aisles. So the ushers came through and swept everybody out. Of course, they went out in a not very good, pleasant way. And when they got outside, they threw rocks at the church to show you the spirit they were of. So the pastor did not want to accept a counterfeit. You're hungry for revival. You're hungry for things, but don't swallow a counterfeit. Of course, that was not the move of God that was coming to Brownsville. He knew something was coming, but that was not it. That was a counterfeit. And he discerned it got and it got rid of it. And then when Steve Hill came on Father's Day in 95, we all know the story. So be careful for counterfeits. The second way Satan will attack is through whoredom's betrayal. A spirit of whoredoms is revealed in Hosea. And a spirit of whoredoms is a spirit of unfaithfulness. It tries to attack you as an individual to be unfaithful to God. The Bible talks about... Um, with idolatry it talks about idolatry being the same as spiritual adultery and so people that are unfaithful to the Lord are the people that are continually backsliding into sin, the people that have idols and it's a spirit of whoredoms but not only does that spirit of whoredoms cause people to backslide and to to be unfaithful to God but it also causes people to be unfaithful with each other now, how many knows there needs to be some loyalty? Amen. I remember growing up that there were times, man, my brothers had two brothers, and I love them, but there were times growing up that I just, I wanted to beat them up. They wanted to beat me up. I mean, we got so irritated with each other. If you have siblings, don't act all spiritual because you know. Okay, and there were times I got so mad at them. They got so mad at me. But you know what? There was this actually stuff like this actually happened, but you know, if, if let's say that we got to a fight the night before that morning or whatever, and we went to school, if somebody was messing with my little brother at school, oh, you know, I was all over that. And so there was, even though they, they would tick me off and I would tick them off, even though that would happen, there was still a loyalty. There was an underlying loyalty. Amen? Why isn't that in church? If we can be that way in the flesh you know toward flesh and blood that's natural why can't we be that way toward our spiritual flesh and blood why can't we be that way toward our our family our spiritual family you know it's it's a spirit of betrayal is what it is and it's a Judas kiss it's an Absalom's betrayal and Satan attacks with this listen to what the enemy is trying to do he's trying to keep a person in a perpetual state of woundedness and a need for inner healing so that they can never really do anything effective for the kingdom. He wants to keep sending these Judases and these backstabbers and these people around that will be used of the devil to keep every time somebody, they get wounded and they have to get healed. And so they're going through this healing process. They forgive and right about the time they start doing better, Satan will send somebody else. that will betray and then they, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's a it's a cycle. And we need to pray that that be completely broken and unable to get through. But let me say this. We've got to be aware of this attack. And we've got to be quick to forgive. Everybody's going to go through some kind of betrayal in life. Jesus went through it. We're all going to go through it to some extent. But we've got to be quick to forgive and pray for them and get beyond it so that we can get healed quickly and get beyond it so that the Lord can use us. Because sometimes, you know, people get betrayed and they get hurt. And it really, it takes the Lord to supernaturally heal them. And that's a major attack right there, is is a spirit of whoredoms. It's a spirit of betrayal. Alright, another one is a religious spirit's abandonment and rejection. This goes along with what I was talking about earlier. Be careful that you don't get bitter and be careful that you don't get rebellious. Because a religious spirit, if you have a true anointing, I hope everybody's hearing this. If you have a true anointing and you've got a true baptism of fire on you, the religious spirit will—it can't stand you. And you get around people of a religious spirit and that fire is going to irritate them to no end and it will cause them to reject you but they're really rejecting the anointing on you they're rejecting that fire and there's an abandonment there's a rejection there but just remember what I told you about William Seymour when he went to California and he went in to that church and he preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they drove him out the fire on him irritated that religious spirit and they drove him out they didn't want him around And you know what? That rejection he went through actually put him right in the center of God's will for his life. Sometimes rejection and abandonment is not necessarily a bad thing. Because without you even realizing it, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered. Without you even realizing it, God is allowing it to knock you right into the center of his will. And when he walked into Bonnie Bray Street, into that house, he had no idea that God was about to use his ministry in that revival to literally change the whole world. I guarantee you he had no idea. He was just hungry for God. And he walks up the steps of that porch and goes into that house on Bonnie Bray Street, meets with his friend, he's praying there, had no idea that God was about to explode revival. So don't be discouraged because you don't feel like you fit in with a political, religious, churchy type of system Because it's not really the Lord's system anyway. And there's a reason you don't feel comfortable in it. And there's a reason those religious people don't feel comfortable with you. Mm -hmm. Don't take it personal. Don't get bitter. Don't get discouraged. And, And that leads me to the next point. Discouragement. Satan will attack man with discouragement. Let me tell you. If you don't know about a Jezebel spirit the reason why I talk about that and I talk about Leviathan, I talk about a religious spirit is because those are the spirits that come after revival. They want to kill it. But I remember that Nehemiah was led by God to go back to Jerusalem and set up, build up the walls that had fallen down. The entire time that he's working on the walls, Satan raised up an evil man by the name of Sanballat. Who wants the name of Sandballot <laughs> My goodness. Anyway, Sandballot and his friend Tobiah and there was a few others. Listen, let me tell you, this is a true story. The whole time Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls. Here he's got Sandballot over here that is doing everything that he could to discourage him. He's mocking them. He's making fun of them. He's making threats. He's saying, you know what? If you keep doing this, I'm going to go tell the king over here that you guys are in rebellion to him. And he's going to send his army and annihilate. He's making threats. He's sitting back and they're making fun of him. Going, look at these feeble little Jews thinking that they can rebuild this wall. If even a little fox scurried across it, it would fall apart. And not only that, here you are trying to take burnt stones that have already been destroyed and build a wall out of it. The whole time he's just steadily going to Nehemiah's ear trying to what? Discourage him. And if he get, if he could get Nehemiah to a place to where his hands were hung down low and he was discouraged and frustrated, he would have gave up and not fulfilled what God called him to do. Some of these sand ballots, and this is serious, friend. Listen, these people, Satan uses them and everything that they're trying to do is just discourage. They want to focus on the negative. They want to talk about the negative and they don't have a clue what they're talking about. You know, many times people look on the surface How many knows I don't want to live my life looking at just flesh and blood and looking at everything in the carnal, the natural, the worldly, seeing things the way the world sees it, seeing things on a superficial level. I want to have a prayer life where I can get beyond that and I can say, Lord, what are you doing? Show me and I can live by the revelation of what the Spirit of God is actually doing. But see, people that don't live that way, they sit around throwing stones because they don't understand the things of the Spirit of God and what God is actually doing. They see it on a superficial level. And they try to tear it out. And you know what? They, that whole time that Simba and Tobiah and all them did that. Later on, Nehemiah goes out of town or whatever, comes back. And the priest, after they had built the walls up and all that, one of the priests had allowed Tobiah to have a room in the temple. <laughs> Nehemiah comes in. This man, I wish... Maybe when I get to heaven, somehow they have this like a DVD or something where you can watch this. I don't know. I want to see this moment. Anyway, I, I just want to see Nehemiah's face whatever, whenever he finds out that they gave Tobiah a room. After all that he did, and Nehemiah was, I'm sure he was, hit, I'm sure that little vein popped out. You know what I'm saying? He got mad. He kicks the door open, goes in there, physically picks the man, throws him out, throws all of his stuff his CD player, you know, his iPod, everything, throws it all out and it's like hit the road, kicks him out of the temple. But see, Satan will try to send, just like Tobiah, will try to send evil men into the camp. And they're full of discouragement. And if you listen to them, they have a, some kind of a religious spirit about them, but they're negative. Negative. Another thing that will attack, listen, be careful for discouragement, seriously be careful if you if you find yourself around people and then when you get away from them you feel discouraged that is a very bad sign because when you're around fellow christians you should be uplifted remember that because if you're around people that discourage you and it makes you feel like you want to give up or i don't know you know you just feel negative and down and all that I'm telling you, it may not be a healthy relationship. It may be that you need to limit your time with those people or cut it off altogether. But you need to be around people that are of like faith. You need to be around people that have a similar passion and a fire and a DNA like you. Because there are some people out there, they're born again Christians. They love the Lord. Some of them are spirit filled. And they live a righteous life, but they do not understand the things of revival. They don't understand it. They don't understand the fire of God. And and without meaning to, sometimes they can actually be very discouraging about what's going on. And let me say this while I'm on it. Some of you guys are are young in all this. And so there's some things that you may not have heard yet. But talking about cross-pollination of the anointing. Okay? It is so important. Now, if you and I had heard, you know what? Let's say, you know, somehow we knew this. That Jesus himself was going to show up in Dallas in 2 weeks and he was going to be preaching somewhere now would we be stupid enough to sit at home and say well you know if jesus wants to touch me or whatever he can just come here <laughs> some of you know exactly what's going on right now as i'm preaching this and that's why you're laughing or if or if we knew somehow we were living back living back 2000 years ago and we knew the apostle paul was going to be in the next city over holding a revival And we heard about, we're like, well, if God really wanted to use Paul to touch us, you know, Paul would just come to my house and knock on my door. And he would come in and pray over me. I mean, how arrogant do you have to be? I remember one preacher saying, how stupid can you be and still breathe? Yeah. But here's the thing. While people have, you know, that seems so ridiculous. There'll be a move of God going on somewhere where God's pouring out His Spirit in a mighty way. Jesus is at work in the earth. There's a move of God. And they're sitting back at their house going, Well, if if God really wants to touch me, it'll just come here. It'll be like an arrow going through the sky. And it'll just land. It'll just hit me somehow. It'll find me. Friend, listen, that is as prideful as you can imagine. Listen, God, if God's moving, we have to have the humility and the wisdom to go receive from God. Everybody say humility. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom. It takes humility and wisdom to humble yourself and go receive from God. But pilgrimages are nothing new. Throughout church history, people would hear about the move of God, and they would pack up their family, and they would go to the move of God and receive from God. Much of what God has done in my life has been because I I went to places and was humble and would receive. And for men, don't go there with a prideful, critical attitude. Go there humble. And don't go there with this attitude of, you know, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to pray for everybody. You know, look at me or whatever. Man, there's people like that. Listen, go there with a humble heart just to receive from God. You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. But listen, the cross-pollination is, you know, the bee will go from from flower to flower and it's a cross-pollinating. But it's picking up that pollen on it. And we need to be willing to go places where God's moving and get that anointing in us and on us. And not only that, whenever people come, you know, I heard about Reinhard Bonnke coming a few years back to Dallas. You know, like I'm not going to go. You know, I went and he prayed for me. It was awesome. You know, I mean, so I'm just saying, when people come to town or you go there, or whatever, catch the anointing, catch that impartation. It's a cross-pollination. And you know what? All these different moves of God, all these different moves of God are different and unique in their own way. But I'm telling you that all of these little streams are all starting now to come together to form a mighty river. Are you hearing me? All of it is starting to move together, and those that have had the wisdom and the humility to go catch the anointing from these different moves of God are going to be in that river. But those that set back and we're like, well, you know, God will just show up here, you know, then they they've missed out on a lot. I feel sorry for them watch out also for religious attacks a spirit of religion which is also an antichrist spirit listen the religious spirit is anti-anointing it's very political and it tries to intimidate position yourself or satan cannot use religious men to control you an antichrist spirit is a counterfeit to the it's a counterfeit it's a religious spirit, but it's a counterfeit to the holy spirit i've been teaching on this i know you're already you know familiar with this but it opposes revival It opposes free worship. It opposes unstructured services. You see it in the life of the Pharisees. But be ready. Because as revival continues, Satan will attack with a religious spirit. Another one is the Jezebel spirit. Watch out. The Jezebel spirit, if you don't know much about this spirit, you need to read some books on it. I've written a book. You could read it. But you need to educate yourself about this spirit and its tactics. Because it's serious. And when you come under an attack of a Jezebel spirit, it's witchcraft. And it tries to cause severe discouragement and depression. Some of the ways that a Jezebel spirit will attack is it uses the sons of Belial. These are people that, listen, in the, the story of Naboth's vineyard, Jezebel went and she got, the Bible translates it, a couple sons of Belial. Belial means lawless and it means worthless. Got a couple sons of Belial, worthless men that she knew that she could use and had them sit next to Naboth at a feast and then, at the right time, they started making false accusations against Naboth, who was a righteous man and never did anything wrong. but these sons of Belial Jezebel knew I can use those type of people right there they, Jezebel had found some people that she could use. And those sons of Belial were used to bring false accusation and slander against a good man. And because of that, his inheritance was taken. That's a major tack of a Jezebel spirit is not to get her hands dirty, but get other people do her dirty work. Find a couple sons of Belial that she can use. Watch out for Jezebel because sometimes it will come in the form of a woman who claims to be a prophetess. For some reason, this spirit—you know why a lot of times pastors don't like intercessors and and people like that too much because of this spirit. Before you get mad at the pastor, you need to find out all the stories of pure hell he went through from the you know different Jezebels that have come through. That he okay, yeah, you're an intercessor, you're a prophetess, praise God, and then they knife in the in the back and try to split his church. And pretty soon he got just where you know I don't even want to hear it. You know somebody comes up, and, I'm an intercessor, I'm a prophetess. He's like, okay. Do you hear what I'm saying? So that loves to traffic for some reason among those intercessory prophetic circles. And if you read the book of Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, it talks about, it calls herself a prophetess. I don't have a problem with somebody being a prophet or a prophetess. Benny Baker was just here, he's a prophet. I don't have a problem with a man or a woman that's a prophet. But I want the real. I don't want a counterfeit. But it comes in the way of seductions. You remember the story of Balaam and Balak. Balak was the king of Moab. He was scared of Israel. Israel had camped out. Around, uh, out in the fields. He hires Balaam who's a false prophet. Well really Balaam, you know, had a true prophetic revelatory gifting of some kind. It was real. But he was a hireling. He would do it for money. Therefore, he was a false prophet. So, the Lord already told Balaam, don't go. How many knows when God tells you, don't go, that should be enough. But Balaam... Kept hearing, you know, the money ringing in his ears. So he went and he goes to Balak and Balak says, I want you to curse Israel for me. So Balaam gets up there and tries to curse him, but blessings come out of his mouth. Anyway, this happened a number of times and he couldn't curse Israel. And here's the thing, when, God, when you're living righteous and God's blessing and favor, his kiss is on you, Satan cannot curse you. He wants to and he'll try, but he can't truly curse you. So while Balaam was trying to curse him, here's what happened. Nothing happened in that way. And if you read the story of 2 Kings chapter 3, Moab and the king of Moab and those type of people really operated in witchcraft. And he was willing to sacrifice his son as as a human sacrifice in 2 Kings 3 um, to use witchcraft power against Israel. So these are people that knew about this stuff. Okay, and he was really truly trying to hire Balaam to really do something well it didn't work and so here's what Balaam did Balaam basically told the king how to still get Israel you can't curse them directly but here's what you can do and Balak took his advice and sent all the young beautiful Moab women into the camp of Israel and God had told Israel don't marry foreigners remember And so the young men were marrying these Moabite women and it it incurred the wrath of God and God Himself began to pour out judgment on Israel. So here's here's another way Jezebel and this type of spirit works. It tries to bring seduction where it will pull people into sin and they come under God's judgment. But the Jezebel spirit is very powerful in the area of opposing authority, especially male authority. It uses witchcraft control, manipulation, intimidation, and control. It's prideful and rebellious and disrespectful to authority like Korah. You remember the story of Korah? Korah was a Levite, you know, and he saw God's hand on Moses and Aaron. And Korah had this attitude like, well, who are you? I mean, I'm a Levite just like who. Who do you think you are? God speaks to all of us. Why are you setting yourself up like some kind of prince? You know, even though Korah was prideful and rebellious like that, what did Moses do? Moses fell on his face before God and humbled himself and said, God, you deal with them." I mean, God did. You ought to read the story. It opposes, revival, opposes the revival anointing, opposes the spirit of Elijah, opposes true male authority, promotes a counterfeit Ahab type of authority. You know what? You can't truly have a Jezebel spirit without somebody being like a passive Ahab type that's going to let it go on. If you're not an Ahab type person, the Jezebel spirit will not be able to cohabitate. An Ahab type person is somebody that's passive and will allow Jezebel to have her way. But somebody that won't be that way, there will no doubt be a major confrontation. There will be a showdown at the O.K. Corral. But when it's all said and done, God will give you the victory. Amen. Jezebel also gathers its false prophets that eat at her table. I remember during this this story, I was reading about a prophet by the name of Micaiah. He's one of my spiritual heroes. You probably haven't even heard of him. But, There was all these false prophets around Ahab telling him what he wanted to hear. And Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, you know, I'm sorry, the king of Jerusalem, and and was there, and, uh, and listen, he knew, Jehoshaphat knew that these were all false prophets. They were all telling Ahab what he wanted to hear, and Jehoshaphat leans over to Ahab and says, man, is there not a real prophet of the Lord? You ought to read the story, it's a really interesting story and Ahab's like yeah there's this one guy his name is Micaiah and I, man I hate this guy he always has something negative to say about me and Jehoshaphat said the king shouldn't say that and called for him so Micaiah comes and while he's coming somebody was walking Micaiah there and he's like listen Micaiah all the other prophets are telling the king go to battle be victorious it's all going to be good just let your prophecy be in alignment with theirs Would you just this one time, just calm it down and just say something nice to King Ahab? And Micaiah's like, I'll say what the Lord gives me. And he gets there and at first Micaiah's like, yeah, well, you know, go and succeed, whatever. And the king was like, look, Micaiah, how many times must I make you swear to tell me the word of the Lord? And now Micaiah, you got to understand in those days to buck up against the king was a death sentence. I mean, they could have your head cut off right there. And so for Micaiah to do this took a lot of guts. And he stood up in front of God and everybody and was like, you know, you're going to go to battle. You're going to die, you know, and all this. And so the king's like, and you see Ahab, I told you he always has something negative to say, you know, and goes off on. Well, he puts him in prison. And while he's going to prison, the, the, all, but all those false prophets, one of them had slapped Micaiah. All those false prophets were persecuting him and ridiculing him and, and mocking him. One of them goes up and slaps him in the face. See, those are Jezebel's prophets. They're false prophets. And they, they will persecute a true prophet. Another thing to watch out for is Leviathan. I'm just trying to go through this quick. But Leviathan, a powerful satanic spirit... That promotes confusion and twisting. It's the accuser of the brethren, character assassination. It will keep people from getting to revival because it'll it's always trying to criticize. The accuser of the brethren, tear down. It's connected with it's like a spirit of murder because it's trying to assassinate people's character. It opposes humility, repentance, unity, and it opposes most of all the glory. So where the glory comes in, a spirit of Leviathan will try to come in and oppose the glory. It operates through prideful people. It brings accusation and slander. It has a lot to do with what he said, she said, being confused. Something will come out of your mouth and by the time the person hears it, they hear something completely different. Oh, because of that, it stirs up a lot of contention. So watch out for Leviathan when it comes to revival. These are last day satanic spirits. Watch out for a spirit of whoredoms. Remember God brought out Israel you know, through the Red Sea. Signs and wonders followed. It was a great revival. Next thing you know they're dancing naked around a golden calf practicing Egyptian rituals and worshiping a false god. Right there. It was a spirit of whoredoms, a spirit of unfaithfulness. Remember Gideon's ephod. That even though God had used Gideon in a powerful way, people began to worship his ephod. It was a snare to him and his family. It's a spirit of whoredoms. You know, let me tell you, be careful that you're not somebody that makes idols out of revival or preachers or musicians or or whatever. It needs to always be about the Lord. And I'm going to come back to dealing with manipulation here in a minute. And we're going to pray about that. But listen, you guys, I'm telling you, you're going to need to know this information. I don't have time and I'm not going to try to go through all this and teach on it. But all of these spirits that are listed here, Jesus has given you authority over all of them. You have authority over all of them. So I want you to just stop for a minute and look this way, look at me. And I'm going to kind of walk you through some of this. But Jesus has given you authority over all of them. But I promise you, That if you're going to be in the midst of a move of God, and you're going to be praying for people, and many of you will down the road, you're going to be laying hands on people, I have no doubt that you're going to face most of these spirits at some point. And you need to know what they are, you need to know that they're in the Bible, and you need to know how to defeat them. And that's what this whole thing is about, so I gave you a big list, but I encourage you to read over this for yourself, really read over it, and take notes. Really, truly look over this and get it in your, in your mind in, in, to where you know when you come up against the spirit, you automatically know what it is. Because I remember one time I was, I was going to walk somebody through deliverance and this person had been fell under the power or whatever and it was a demonic spirit manifested. And I was like, what's your name? And it said Lilith. And at the time, I didn't know what Lilith was. Now I do. Now I can help somebody a lot better than I could then. This is what I'm trying to tell you. If you don't know what it is... See, people have familiars in in their life sometimes. And these familiars are spirits. Everybody please hear this. And I'm just going to go through the rest of it quick. These familiars are spirits that they've picked up throughout their life. They had sex with so-and-so. This spirit came. They did this drug. Now they have this spirit. They... They went to, you know, they used a Ouija board. Now they got this spirit. They've picked up spirits. And some of these spirits have traveled down their bloodline and they inherited it. And these spirits are called familiars because they're familiar with the person and their family line. The same demonic spirit that was in their great-grandfather is now in their life. And they're familiar. And the Bible talks about these familiars and... If this person goes to a psychic or something, the psychic is talking to the familiars. And picks up information about dead Uncle Charlie, you know, who gave him this important watch and all this. And 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 the person sitting there going, Wow, how'd she know that? It's not complicated, but you just have to know what's really going on. The witch is talking to the familiars. Now the familiars in somebody's life can take on a satanic anointing, if you will, from the principalities over the region. So if there's a really strong religious spirit in a region, then those familiars will will draw that anointing under themselves and try to make that person very religious. If there's a strong Jezebel spirit, it will try to draw that anointing and that person will become disrespectful, rebellious, and controlling. Do you see what I'm saying? But it's it's working within the familiars, the structure that's within their life. And the Lord wants to tear down those structures and set people free. So the main thing is, is the people need to repent and ask forgiveness for whatever it is that has allowed this in them, in their life. So with that said, here's some different spirits that you may face. And I want you to be ready because when this happens, You know, I don't want you to be like, Oh, Pastor Scott, man, I was praying for this person. I don't know what happened, you know. And just give me some really sad story. I want you to be ready and armed so whenever this comes up, you're like, Oh, that spirit, I know about you. And you know what? And then you lay into it. Be careful for Jezebel and Ahab. These are in people. A spirit of Belial is lawlessness and worthlessness. It's a spirit that tries to make people feel worthless Like a piece of trash, but it also, it's a spirit that causes people to be used of the devil to gossip and slander. You know about Leviathan? The Antichrist spirit is the religious spirit. It's the same spirit. Anti means to oppose, but it also means a counterfeit. The spirit of death. Listen, that spirit is no joke. That spirit... That is the spirit that's worshipped at Halloween. It, it goes by the name Samael, Samway, or Samhain. Back in the 70s, there was a Satanist by the name of David Berkowitz who became the son of Sam. And Sam was this spirit of death. And he would talk to the spirit of death, believe it or not, through a dog. The dog would talk to him. And would give him a hit list and he would take his forty-five and go shoot whoever the dog told him to shoot. But it was the spirit of death in the dog. The dog was a familiar now let me. That leads me to another point. Familiar spirits dwell in either like an animal or an object as well. It can be familiar in a house. Like you buy a house and there's a familiar in that house. It's familiar with that house. And it tormented the previous owners. It could be in inanimate objects. Or it can be in an animal. But anyway, this Satanist, David Berkowitz, would, would talk to the dog. And the dog would talk back, man. It was a spirit... <laughs> Anyway, and then he would go out and commit the act. I know that sounds crazy, but David, since he's gotten in uh, prison, has gotten saved. Praise God. And um, he's, he's really good friends with Steve Hill. And now he's trying to win people to the Lord, and God saved him. But before he got in prison and got saved, he, was, he was, had a reign of terror in New York, okay? But it was that spirit of death. The spirit of death comes in the way of like a grim reaper. And also right now in Mexico, the drug cartels, the drug lords, are trying to make a covenant with the spirit of death. And I was down there ministering a few years back and my my good friend Chacho was telling me about this. He was telling me that I was like... uh, Because I told Chacho, I said, Who in their right mind would worship, pray to, or have a covenant with the spirit of death? I mean, if you're going to pick a demon... Why the spirit of death? You know that thing is creepy. And Chacho was like, well, here's here's their thought. Their thought is if they're friends with it, it will protect them but kill their enemies. I was like, okay, well. Anyway, so they're making covenants, and this is connected with the Catholic Church. It's like a little you know, side branch, the occult branch, if you will. But they're creating these shrines to the spirit of death. And they pray to it. They make a pact with it. They make covenants with it. This this spirit of death is going to be pretty powerful in these last days. Because the Bible talks about the seven seals being broken. And one of them was that there was a spirit of death released in the earth. And Hades was following right behind it. So what happens is the spirit of death causes all these people to die. And then Hades is a spirit of hell. Hades will gather them quickly into hell. Do you see how it works? But a spirit of death in somebody's life will no doubt cause major sickness. Now you may face this. Somebody may have a, a spirit of death and it's manifesting in the way of cancer. It's manifesting in some some very serious illness that leads to death. I remember hearing um, Kenneth Hagin said there was a woman that came and she was dying of cancer. She was very thin and pale as a ghost. He prayed for her and the Lord showed him it was a demon. He commanded it out. It came out of her. She fell under power, got up, and was within a few days had made a full recovery. I mean, it was miraculous. A full recovery. It was because it, it was a demonic spirit. Now, not all, not all sickness is demonic, but a lot of it is. A lot of It, it has a demonic root somewhere. Now, the spirit of divination or python this is an area where somebody may have a counterfeit spirit in the way of counterfeit revelations counterfeit dreams counterfeit prophecies counterfeit tongues counterfeit manifestations of the holy spirit and you're going to have to like the apostle paul you're going to have to discern it's not the holy spirit it's a demon that's python it's revelatory I already explained familiars. There's spirits in the Bible—a spirit of jealousy that causes people to have irrational jealousy problems. There is a spirit of lying. 1 Kings 22:22, 22, 22, which causes people. I've known some people that would lie when the truth sounded better. And your sinner going, "What is your problem? You know, here you are supposed to be a Christian. You're the biggest liar." And they're in bondage to something. And, and, you know, I've learned a lot now that I've been in ministry. I didn't know back then. Had I known, there was this guy I knew. Had I known back then, I would have grabbed him and been like, listen, buddy, you need to have deliverance, okay? There's no way that that you're born again and this much of a liar unless you need deliverance, okay? Because he was. I mean, he would lie all the time. And it was it was stupid stuff that you knew wasn't the truth. I mean, he would go off in this. Anyway, it's a spirit of lying. There's a perverse spirit. Everybody say perverse. This is serious. This is a a perverse. It's a perverted spirit. It's a spirit that has to do with impurity in somebody's thought, life, speech, and actions. It's a perversion. Cause them to struggle with perversion. Another thing is a prideful spirit, haughtiness. A spirit of haughtiness. Another one is a spirit of heaviness. Now this one attacks Revival. It can be translated a spirit of weakness or a spirit of infirmity, but it is an oppression and a heaviness over somebody's life. It's like a dark cloud that makes it difficult to pray, worship, read the Bible, and it's a bondage. And the Lord taught us that He gives us a garment of praise to overcome the spirit of heaviness. So this thing is defeated a lot of times with praise. you know, I remember that... Um, I'm just filling with the Holy Ghost, but I've got to tell you some stories real quick. Pastor Kilpatrick said during the revival at Brownsville, man, he said there were times... He said that I never knew I could feel God this powerful. But he said I also never knew I could feel the attack of the devil this powerful either. And especially at the same time. Because the enemy attacks revival viciously. And he said, though, there were times that he'd be on the platform and it was like just this, this heaviness, this oppression coming against his mind... Where it was everything he could do to just lift his hands and worship the Lord. He said one time he went into a board meeting with his elders and he was in there. And this thing was oppressing him in his head area. And he said one of his elders, they gathered around him, anointed him with oil and prayed for him. And he was hit by the power of God, fell out and that that lifted. But this is what I'm talking about. There's an oppression, there's a heaviness that tries to settle over and press. It feels like it's trying to press you down and press down your praise and worship. I've already explained the whoredom, but you really need to be aware of a spirit of whoredoms in these last days because it's, it's the Bible talks about in the last days will come seducing spirits, deceiving spirits. They're seducing. Now, automatically your mind is thinking, you know, sexual seduction. Well, yeah, that's part of it, but it's a lot more than that. There's a seduction about the occult, there's this mystique. It's mysterious and it's creepy and it's weird. And it it has a seductive pull. There's a seductive spirit, a whoredom spirit that tries to pull people into things. Also a spirit of infirmity. Infirmity just causes people to stay sick. It's chronic and they can't get over things. Your body should fight off things normally. Even in the area of maybe you had a car wreck or something and your body should have healed on its own but there's something trying to prevent it from fully getting healed it's, it's, infirmity is translated weakness it weakens the immune system and it weakens the body and when you deal with that spirit of infirmity and cast it out there comes a strength another one is a deaf and dumb spirit Mark 9 17-29 Jesus dealt with this it's a spirit that causes people to literally be deaf and mute where they cannot speak Another one is the spirit of bondage. When you're dealing with people that have bondages, they may be bulimic, anorexic, they're addicted to drugs, they're addicted to cigarettes, they're addicted to alcohol, whatever. It's a spirit of bondage. I'm telling you, I've seen spirits when I pray for people, I've seen spirits that are associated with drugs, the spirit of heroin. I've seen spirits that are associated with different types of drugs and there's, there's like a they try to come like an angel of light you know and they try to make people feel like they have an escape from reality because reality really stinks and so let's give, them, let's give them an escape you know and it comes like an angel of light but it's a spirit a demonic spirit another one is a spirit of fear there's some people that's had things happen to them and they're in bondage to it panic attacks they have different phobias you know, they have a fear of heights or a fear of water. It's like irrational fears. And this is a spirit of fear. I remember one lady, it was very hard to get her water baptized because she had such a phobia of being underwater because she almost drowned. That's a spirit of fear. She needs to be delivered from that spirit of fear and then she won't be afraid of it anymore. Another thing is, okay, I already talked about whoredoms, but seducing spirits, these are connected. Another one is a spirit of Error. This is strong deception. You know a spirit of error. You know somebody can know the Bible. They can memorize parts of the Bible. They can quote the Bible. They've read it 30 times. But because they don't read it with the Holy Spirit helping them. They get sucked into deception and error. And they'll be religious. They think they know what they're talking about. They'll quote the Bible. They'll quote scriptures against the move of God they'll quote the Word of God, but the whole time they're in error. They're deceived. You have to know the Bible, but you have to know the Bible by the Holy Spirit. He is the one that illuminates it. He teaches you. He helps you. And if you just have the Bible without the Spirit, it can bring deception. Lilith. This is is a powerful occult demon. Anybody that's come out of witchcraft and the occult, you're probably going to deal with some of these spirits right here. Lilith and Seder they're in Isaiah chapter 13 but the the word there screech owl in Hebrew is Lilith and Lilith man, I'm telling you guys this because you're probably going to deal with it but you, you need to be ready this spirit is very vampire type, it's vampiric that means that it tries to, to suck things out of people like it sucks the life out of people sucks energy out of people, drains people where they go around tired all the time and they don't know why. It oversees the realm of incubus, succubus spirits, which I'm not going to get into behind the pulpit. It, um, if somebody has been sexually touched by this spirit, it will then breathe a breath of death into their life. So it comes seductive, but then it brings death. It stirs up storms, major satanic attack in people's lives. This is the spirit that's that's associated with abortion, by the way. This spirit has to do with SIDS, which is sudden infant death syndrome, where you put a child to bed and then the next morning it's just dead. Nobody knows why. Lilith is behind it. It has to do with sexual vampirism, sex magic, spiritual sex. That's her domain. She appears like a beautiful nude woman. With a python snake. But the python snake is death. She seduces people into sin. But then if they if they get into it. It wraps death around them. It's a very powerful spirit. Another thing is Seder. You guys have seen this in movies. And I don't understand sometimes. Why these supposed Christian movies. Have some of this occult stuff. I don't understand it. But you've seen the half man half goat. Or the half man half horse. That's Seder. Seder is a very powerful, satanic, occult demon. Sandy's father, who is a Satanist, he worshipped the devil, had a statue of Seder, half man, half horse, right? Holding a naked woman. It's a satanic spirit. Seder is seen as the goat in the Bible. Lilith and Seder are usually seen together, just like in Isaiah 13 where it says goat calls the goat, it's Seder calls the Seder. These spirits traffic in the occult world. It is a spirit that seems to be extremely sexual in nature. It tries to get in the lives of men and produce all sorts of perverse, driving sexual desires. It tries to travel down family bloodlines. Seder is also powerfully used in the area of six magic and sexual rituals. It is the, the demon god Pan for the Wiccans. It is also, this is interesting, it is also the one that oversees the goat's book of death which names are written into of those that have involved themselves in the occult or made pacts with the devil. Just like we have the Lamb's Book of Life, Satan has the goat's Book of Death. So these are powerful spirits. And if, you, if you're if you dealing with somebody, once somebody touches the realm of the occult, what they don't understand is, is that they have just opened a door to their life where these powerful spirits that traffic in that realm are now coming in. Had they had never gone there, they probably would have never had it. But once they got into the occult, that stuff is coming in and it comes in with a vengeance. And you're going to have to kick it back out. Another spirit is legion. You remember Jesus confronting legion? I have studied this spirit and here's what I believe. I'm coming to a close with these. Legion has to do with defilement. That's just my opinion. I've studied this and I've seen legion. Legion seems to to cause it seems to be the spirit of defilement being this that it tries to cause people to keep getting defiled when you see a spirit of legion at work it has to do with ocd behavior people that are obsessive compulsive there are people that don't want to take showers they don't want to clean their house they don't want to be clean or it goes to the whole other extreme where somebody takes way too many showers in a the day they're obsessively cleaning everything but it's irrational it's obsessive and it also the, this spirit has to do with defilement and if you look in the life of the man that had this demon in his life he was going around tombs around dead people he was cutting himself which that defiles a person when they cut themselves and shed blood it's a defiling thing. And he was very unclean and unkempt. But it, it's a manifestation of the Spirit. It wants to defile people. Spiritually. Because see, once somebody gets defiled, it opens the door for more demonic spirits. That's why Legion had so many others with him. Because he would keep defiling the person which would allow more in. Is this making sense? Yeah. And it appears... When you see in the spirit realm, it may appear kind of like a fly or a dung beetle or the scarab beetle. For those that know about the occult, things like that, the scarab beetle of Egypt. Another spirit is porneia. This is a Greek word and it's where we get our word pornography from. It's a spirit that's behind pornography and illicit sexual behavior, lasciviousness. It actually causes people... To be pulled in and sucked into pornography. Pharmakea is another Greek word. These are actual demons. I've prayed for people and I've rebuked a spirit of pornea, And boom! They're that thing where I have confronted a spirit of pharmakeia. And I tell you about pharmakeia. It is not just in the realm of illegal drugs. It's also in the realm of prescription drugs. This spirit, pharmacaea is where we get the word pharmacy from in English. And if you look at the Greek culture, that's where alchemy comes from, a lot of it. And the Greek culture, I'll get into this, it's really weird to me, but you know, in the Bible, in Daniel, it says the prince of Persia would come, then the prince of Greece. And I believe with all my heart that we're seeing the prince of Persia arise with terrorism and Islam. But I also believe with all my heart that we're about to see the Prince of Greece arise, and it's going to have to do with the rise of the Antichrist and some of these very things I'm about to show you. Pharmakeia is a bondage to drugs. It's a spirit that is behind mind-altering drugs. In times past, witches, and you know, it could be the peyote of the Indians, it was the different potions people would drink, but it was mind-altering drugs. That would get people in an altered state of consciousness where they would be more able to communicate with spirits. I remember a true story of a friend of mine back before I was a Christian. These were some friends of mine that were doing drugs. And there was a girl named Carmen. She had a bad trip. And they took some drugs. You know, when people take drugs, they get really, really stupid. Amen. Amen. And so they're sitting around watching the snow on the TV screen thinking that this is cool because they're tripping on acid or whatever. I mean, how dumb can you be? Well, anyway, while they're sitting there, you know, enjoying the TV snow, <laughs> this demon appears to both of them, scares them like you wouldn't believe, and walks right into her. See, so you open your when you're when you're doing this, you open yourself up. These are not Christian people. And at the time, I wasn't living for the Lord, but they saw this demon and it scared them. Spitless man, it scared them bad. <laughs> that's that's Texan. And so they call. A, they figure, you know what? Hey, you know what? We know this Christian guy. We're going to call him and find out who his preacher is because now we we need help. We done, you know, we crossed the line, man. And so they call this friend, this guy I knew, and. The preacher came and literally cast the demon out of her. But the sad thing is, they they weren't repentant or anything. So what's going to keep it from coming back with seven more? But once you get into this, this drugs and these altered state of consciousness, these trips, that's what the sorcerers of old would do. They would take drugs to get in this altered state to communicate with demons. Now I felt led to put some of these pictures on here, okay? Because I'm going to try to help you with this. You're gonna see these things in these last days, and you need to be ready for it. Remember, I talked about the Greek culture. This is what I'm closing with. The Greek culture had a lot to do with athletic prowess. They had the Olympics back then, you know. They and now you see this emerging of the Olympics. You're seeing the Greek culture, the Greek culture were very you know, philosophical. And look at our education system. They laughed at Paul. They laughed at the Apostle Paul. But they sit around talking about their stupid philosophies of life. One person said that in their mind, you know how people make their own gods, the Greek philosophers, one of them, in his mind believed that if there were a God, it would be a brain sitting there contemplating itself isn't that deep that shows how prideful they are about that stuff, it's humanism it's humanism and it's in that educational area the Greek culture also produced, listen to me the Greek culture also produced what we know today in western culture as the medical system The use of pharmacy drugs. And that's why this is going to shock some of you, but look it up for yourself and you'll see it for yourself. But the doctors take a Hippocratic oath where they oath themselves to the God of Apollo, the Greek God Apollo. I know there's Christian doctors, I don't know how they do it. Because with a clear conscience, I could not and would not do that. Forget Apollo, you know. But they and, and you know what's interesting? The medical insignia that I put on here that has the this, this scepter with the snakes around it was an actual Greek god had this scepter and supposedly if it touched you or you touched it, you would be cured from medical problems. You'd be cured from sickness. Why is all that important? Because the Bible predicts the prince of Greece would arise to power. Why? Why? Do we see a president trying so hard to force this medical area into people's lives? Because it's a form of control. A lot of people don't live by faith and they don't know Jesus and they don't understand his stripes. And, they, and so therefore they get in connection with this Babylonian system. And they're dependent. They're dependent on the drugs and that, that may bother some people but I really believe with all my heart that's the truth and the rise of the Antichrist will strongly play on that area just remember that another thing is you need to see this satanic insignia that the goat head because you're going to see more of this in these last days around that circular insignia in Hebrew spells out Leviathan that is the sign of Satanism Samael is the spirit of death. It's the grim reaper. Sam Hane or Sam Way, however you want to pronounce it. You see under the goat head, you see Lilith. And of course, the goat is Baphomet. Those are the spirits that will be associated with the rise of the Antichrist and will be used powerfully in these last days in the era of the occult. And people are opening themselves up to the occult like never before because of the movies they're watching and the the music they're listening to and the things they're playing around with. Next to that insignia is Baphomet himself. Baphomet, if you're taking notes, this is the spirit of Baal in the Bible. You wonder why God was so angry with Israel when they were worshiping Baal? And Jezebel was just stirring up the worship of Baal and Asherah because that was the spirit that they were worshiping. Baphomet or can be called Baal or can be called the Go to Mendes is a powerful spirit that has to do with all corrupt worship. I believe, with all my heart, I believe that Baphomet will be the spirit that is embodied in the false prophet. Because Baphomet is the one that that causes idolatry and false god worship. And the false prophet will be trying to get people to worship the Antichrist. And will actually make an idol of some kind that can speak. And the Catholics are already doing this with their idols that can cry tears. Or whatever. All it is, is making the way for the rise of the Antichrist. And this baphomet spirit, you need to read about it. But it is the spirit, I believe with all my heart, that will be, either dwell inside or strongly with the false prophet. Let me give you another one. This is just as satanic as anything else is a counterfeit Christ. Just like that spirit that appeared to Pastor Kilpatrick when he was young, that was not anything to do with God. That was 100% the devil. Coming as an angel of light. But the counterfeit Christ that you see worshipped by the Catholics, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witness. All these other cults out there. And not only that, but there's, there's an element of it in Islam. But it is a counterfeit Christ. It is not the real Jesus. Amen. It's just as satanic as any, it's just as satanic as Baphomet. You better make sure that you know the real Jesus. You're going to see on the dollar sign, the signs of the Illuminati. I did not see this, okay? But I knew, it really bothered me that, you know, if the NFL is really actually interested in family-friendly entertainment, why would they have somebody like Madonna? You know, anyway, I mean, that's, to me, I'm sitting here thinking, that's a no-brainer, that you're going to be getting something that's not family friendly right there. You know, unless you got it in writing from her that she wouldn't, I don't know. But anyway, I didn't watch it, but I saw an expose on the NFL halftime by some Christians that were exposing it, and you would be blown away at how much Illuminati symbols were all throughout the whole entire show. This is where this thing is going. The Illuminati on, the, on this picture here, on the dollar bill, at the bottom it says Novus Ordo, however you pronounce it. That means New World Order. That's what it means. The raised eye above the pyramid is the sign of the Illuminati. The Illuminati are the people that are very high ranking in, in Satanism that are going to help oversee the rise of the Antichrist when it's time. They control the world's currency. And they're in positions around the world that they have a lot to do with who gets elected in political offices and who don't. And there's an agenda. And don't be surprised, because isn't it Psalm chapter 2, I believe, where it says the nations conspire against the Lord and His Anointed One? But you're going to see a lot of Illuminati signs and emblems and And these triangles with the eye. And you know what? The Illuminati, think of Egyptian magic and Egyptian occultism. Because that's what the Illuminati specializes in. And the Illuminati oversees every realm of the occult. All of Satan's kingdom, the Illuminati are the ones that oversee it. They oversee all of Freemasonry. And then, of course, Lilith, you see a picture there of like a vampire type of a spirit that I already talked about. But let's skip down to the bottom part here. I'm going to read the last two paragraphs, and then I'm going to pray with people. But Baphomet is the go to Mendes or Baal of the Bible. Jezebel worshiped the spirit. This is one of Satan's highest fallen angels. It is, is I believe, it's my opinion, it is the beast that will come out of the earth in Revelation 13. The false prophet will be empowered by this spirit. Baphomet is a ruling spirit over the Illuminati Freemasonry. Other ruling spirits in Freemasonry are Mahabon and Tubal-Cain. One of the greatest ways this spirit works is through being a counterfeit Christ as seen in Catholicism, Mormonism, Islam, and Jehovah's Witness. See, it's a deception. It's a deception. Baphomet is the spirit of false worship. All false worship on the planet ultimately goes back to Satan. How many knows that? All false worship ultimately goes back to Satan one way or another. Baphomet is the goat head in the center of the pentagram. And then the last paragraph. This spirit will be the religious spirit that empowers the false prophet and assists in the spiritual rise to the power for the Antichrist. I'm sorry, the spiritual rise to power for the Antichrist. It will unite all religions of the world in a false sense of peace. The Catholic Church is already working on this. The Pope will have a lot to do with this. In fact, the Pope is already working in this direction as I'm writing this. Some believe the Pope will actually be the false prophet or the Antichrist. I don't know. But a lot of people have believed that through the centuries. This will, be, um, this will be the spiritual Babylonian system the Antichrist arises to power on in Revelation 17. After he has risen to power through this, he will show his true colors in the persecution of Jews and Christians. And he will begin to move in military might after setting himself up as God in the Temple Mount on Jerusalem, of Jerusalem. This is the abomination that causes del- desolation in Matthew 24. This is seen in Revelation 18. This is the this will climax in the Battle of Armageddon. But we're in the last days, guys. This is it. This is it. This is the countdown to Jesus' coming. This is the countdown to the rise of the Antichrist. This is it. It'll probably be in our generation. I believe within the next 30, 40 years that we're definitely going to see major end-time prophecy fulfilled. I believe with all my heart. And I want you to be ready for these things. And when you see it, when you see these symbols and these insignias that you know, wait a second, I know what that's about. And when you deal with people that you're praying with and something manifests or you're confronting something, you know, I know about that spirit. I know about it. I know what it's trying to do. It's legion. It's trying to defile this person and bring more in. And you know how to handle it. Do you see what I'm saying? And Christ has called us to go through and destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3.8 says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. I want to pray with people. And this is what God laid on my heart tonight, real quick. If you have any questions about this, listen, read over this. Because I really believe this is like a little manual that's going to help you in altar ministry one day. It really will read over it. If you have any questions, write them down and come talk to me. I'll answer any questions that I, I I can tell you. If I don't know the answer, I'll pray about it and look it up and I'll get back to you on it. But what the Lord told me to pray with people about is this. <coughs> We've all been through different things in life, okay? And when push comes to shove and you go through difficult things in life, I want you to be real honest with yourself. Have you been somebody in the past that had a tendency to allow yourself to be controlled by others. Just be honest with yourself. And it's okay because I've been through some of this stuff myself. God had to set me free from it, heal me. Have you? Did you used to have insecurities to where when somebody would try to bully or somebody would try to tell you what to do or whatever, you kind of had a tendency that given the right circumstance, you would go along to get along even though you knew deep down it was like, I don't want to be doing this, but you're going along to get along. You had a tendency to allow yourself to be controlled. Or, maybe out of fear, or maybe out of of insecurities and hurt, maybe you used to have a tendency to want to control what's going on around you. It doesn't mean that you're a Jezebel or Ahab. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about weak spots in people. You know, I remember when I first got saved, you know, I had a, you know, an issue with anger. I also had an issue sometimes with lying. Like if I really got in a bad situation, I would just lie, you know, and I remember as I became a Christian, something would pop up in this. It was a habit. It was a tendency it would just do it. And then I'd be like, and the Lord had to, to deal with that, you know, and I don't do that anymore at all. But I'm just saying that was something that came up when I first got saved. When you first get saved and you start going through all this stuff. It's like you start noticing the weak spots and the tendencies that we all have. So be honest with yourself. Are you somebody that has had a tendency in the past to want to control what's going on around you, the people around you? Or you would let yourself be controlled? Because tonight, the Lord is going to break that and going to give you the grace to overcome it. And I'm telling you that God's going to help you and it's going to be gone. What I see is, I prayed for people last night. I'm going to pray for people tonight. I see the glory of God coming around people like a mantle of fire, a mantle of light. It's the glory. And it's, it's literally soaking into people. And there's little cracks that are there that need to be filled in. It's like the Lord is filling in those cracks. He's healing people, changing people. It used to, man, years ago, because of insecurities or whatever. You know, I had a tendency sometimes also like if I was getting really pressured to just kind of go along with it. And God had to deal with me like you can't be that way. You can't be that way and be in being the ministry. And so I dealt with it. And once you deal with it and you, you no longer go along to get along, you're somebody that will take a stand. People that have a Jezebel spirit may not like you anymore, but there is a freedom like you wouldn't believe. Because I'm not going to be controlled and neither are you. I'm, I'm not going to be controlled by people. Amen? I'm not going to be manipulated. So tonight I felt the Lord wanted to break that. I mean, really, really set some people free and heal some people from that. It's not at all that you have a Jezebel, Ahab spirit. I'm not saying that. I'm not even insinuating that. I'm just saying that those weak places in us, if they don't get filled with the spirit and changed, then the enemy will try, when push comes to shove and you really get pressure, the enemy will try to kinda of take a claw and stick it into that area and all of a sudden something comes out of your life you're like where'd that come from but there was a tendency there that you didn't even realize was there but a tendency and it'll come out if you guys would just stand with me but Lord I pray about this right now for people I just lifted up there's freedom tonight before we shut off the recordings just a moment I want everybody to pray this out loud People that are listening to this are going to be watching this. You're listening to this on the internet. Maybe you're driving down the road, whatever. I want you to say it out loud. So if you're with somebody, just tell them, hey, pray with me or whatever. But I'm about to pray this prayer, okay, with Pastor Scott. Would everybody say this, Jesus. Jesus I ask forgiveness. I ask forgiveness. <laughs> if, I've if I've ever been controlling or allowed myself, or allowed myself to be controlled, to be controlled Out of insecurities. insecurities, Fears. fears, Hurts. hurts, Or anything else. else, I repent. repent. And I'm asking you tonight. tonight, Holy Spirit. Spirit, Fill these areas. areas, Change me. me, Let your fire. fire Burn this out of me. me, and me And set me free. I receive it now. I receive it now. In, Jesus name. in Jesus name so father I'm about to lay hands on people but I pray over everybody everybody that's listening to this recording that you know it may in some people's lives it may be a satanic bondage there I don't know but I speak to those areas they prayed about it and father I lift this up y'all just pray in the spirit with me I lift this up in people's lives and father that area right now I break it and command that to lift and leave their life right now whatever it is it goes Man, feel that. And Lord, I pray the blood of Jesus come over people right now in those areas. Holy Spirit, fill those areas, brood over those areas. Bring freedom, bring breakthrough, bring change. And let your angels just be released, Lord, to to remove what needs to be removed and bring freedom tonight. I thank you for it in Jesus' name.